The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of A Refuge Assured by Jocelyn Green. I'm your host, Gwen Reyes, and I recently chatted with Jocelyn about A Refuge Assured, writing historical romance set in colonial times, and how watching Parks and Recreation with her husband after a long day is the perfect way to unwind. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram with at RealVixen. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I uh, live in Cedar Falls, Iowa, a small university town with my husband and two children. They are ages 11 and 9, and I do homeschool them, so life is never dull. Um, I've been writing, let's see, my first book came out in 2008, and A Refuge Assured is my 15th book, so I've been doing this for a little while. I was going to say, you, and you've done so many different uh, sort of series, because Refuge Assured is a standalone, but you had a series before right. that, right? Yep, I did a Civil War series of four books, and then The Mark of the King was last year, mm-hmm. but that's a standalone, and this is a standalone as well. And I also have written just as much nonfiction as fiction, but we won't talk about that today. Well, yeah, actually <laughs> I saw in your bio, though, that you had written one of the um, Five Love Languages uh, books. Well, yes. I mean, I co-wrote that with Dr. Chapman, but yes, the military edition. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. That's so cool to be able to be asked to do something, especially with military being um, such a big part of all the books that you've written. Yeah. My husband was a Coast Guard officer when we got married, so that's really what started off giving me a heart for military families, and he's no longer active duty, but I still um, have a military theme, I guess, throughout so many of the books that I've written. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that that's really interesting that you do, because what, um, at least for my, what I know of you as your historical books, have you written any, have you done any contemporary no, I have not. Okay, so that's fascinating that you have your military roots with your husband, but then you have chosen to go down like a historical route. What sort of uh, drew you in that direction? Well, um, I was doing research for one of my nonfiction books, and I was in Gettysburg reading in the archives all these letters and diaries written by women. Mm-hmm. And because they were diaries, and letters to cousins and family members, they were really, really personal. And it was all this stuff that I had never learned in my history classes. And I just remember thinking a historical novel would be a great vehicle to tell some of these stories that I had never heard before. And then the next week I was talking to my publisher about a nonfiction book that we were working on. And she said, out of the blue, she said, have you ever thought about writing historical fiction. And she said that they were interested in doing something related to military. And they were thinking contemporary at the time. But I just started sharing all the stories that I had picked up in Gettysburg and how I would love to have the chance to share those through story, through fiction. And uh, so long story short, I put together a book proposal for four books because I couldn't decide on just one story. And they let me do it. (laughs) That's so cool. And then you (laughs) got to do four of them. Yeah, I got to do four of them, so <laughs> major blessing right there. So with, um, I mean, because Gettysburg is such an inspirational area of um, Pennsylvania, and like I've, I have family out there, so I've gotten the, the opportunity to drive through Gettysburg a lot. Is it a place that you'd want to revisit again for any of your stories? Um, in writing? Yeah, I mean, I've, I have all kinds of ideas, and probably most of them are not good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but one of my ideas is to have a story that's... Um, 
set in Gettysburg, but after the war. So whether they're veterans coming together or women picking up the pieces still, like a decade after. Um, yeah, it's a gorgeous area. I love Gettysburg. It's really one of my favorite places on Earth. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Um, well, and what else is really kind of cool is, and you just kind of pointed out uh, for my next question, is you tell these really interesting stories, both with the um, with the, her- the heroines behind the line series, and then also with your two standalones. You tell these really interesting stories, but they're always from a woman's perspective. Has that always also been very important to you? Do you find that stories are told in a different way through women? Yeah, I do think so. And in all of those books, I have written male characters, and they've had their own POV scenes. But the main character has been the woman. And I think one of my main goals with writing these books is to show that women have been strong and doing really important things and making large contributions to society um, way before it was recorded in history books. Um, so that makes the research kind of complicated because it tends to be this is what the men have been doing, um, and I respect those men and I admire their contributions. But it's just a personal challenge for me to bring out the stories that maybe haven't been told as much, and that tends to be the women's stories. Yeah, and I bet you have to do a lot of filling in the blanks with your own sort of creative elements because the, the, the sort of historical facts are so limited in that way. Yes. Um, I try to do as little of that as possible, but when I have to, I certainly do. And I think the most challenging book for me so far was The Mark of the King because it was set in 1720, which is the the earliest that I've ever set a book. And so um, the historical records were really a lot more sparse than, Mm -hmm. say, they are for the Civil War. Yeah. Well, and with... with, um with Mark of the King and A Refuge Assured, you have a character who's leaving France and coming to Louisiana. Um, wh- what sort of research did you do for those characters versus like the, sort of the accessibility of going to like Colonial Williamsburg or going to Gettysburg to see what's going on? Right. Well, um, you're right. Both books have characters who are leaving Paris, but for different reasons. And for A Refuge Assured, she actually comes to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. um, instead of Louisiana. But so for the research, I went to New Orleans to do uh, research in their Williams Research Center. And so it was a lot of archives, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I can't find online and in books. And a lot of those materials were in French. Um, because they were French people that came over. I do not speak French. I was going to say, do you speak so, French? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thankfully, my sister-in-law is French. She grew up right outside of Paris, and she lives here in Iowa. Uh, so I copied a bunch. I just made photocopies of a, some chapters that I could tell were going to be important to me, <laughs> and then she helped me translate them. So actually going to the location and digging around in the local archives is really um, helpful to me. And I did that for the Civil War books as well, but it was even more critical for me to do that with these two um, French heroine books. But with um, Refuge Assured, can you tell readers a little bit about it? Because that's your newest book that just came out a couple weeks ago. Sure, absolutely. So for A Refuge Assured, the main character is a lace maker in Paris during the French Revolution. And during the Revolution, lace making became a crime. And she could have lost her head for that. In fact, a whole village of lace makers, Chantilly, were executed for making lace because it was something that the aristocracy favored and all things aristocracy were um, 
were treasonous at that point. Mm -hmm. So she flees from France, and she comes to Philadelphia, and um, she's trying to set up a new life for herself, trying to make lace, but it's not selling. So she really has to reinvent herself, and that's something that I think a lot of us today can really relate to when we move to a new place or we find that our competency is no longer in demand. Um, the hero of the story is Liam Delaney. He was a uh, an officer in the American Revolution. And so when he and the heroine, Vivienne, get together, they have differing views about liberty and law and freedom and order and at what cost should we all have our personal liberties? So they they really get into some discussions that actually are pretty relevant to our American society today. When you think about how much of our personal liberties do we want to give up so that we can have order, and how much law do we want to get rid of so that we can have our personal freedoms. So as I was writing it, I didn't intend to make it a social commentary on today, but I think the parallels in there are evident. Absolutely. And I think that that's what makes reading historical fiction so much fun for modern audiences because it uh, kind of opens their eyes to seeing that these are issues that have been around for for centuries. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of comforting. I mean, we think life is so complicated now, and it certainly is, but there's just something about looking back and seeing, okay, they've been having these discussions <laughs> for generations. <laughs> Were you surprised to find out when you were doing your research that that lace was considered sort of a, a no-go thing in Russia, or not in Russia, but in uh, France, or did you already know that kind of going in? I did not know that. I did not know that. I knew that they were beheading aristocrats and nobles right and left, but because lace making is a, it's a working trade, and so the yeah. people who made lace were not rich at all. So what I found in my research was that even more um, tradespeople were executed than the aristocrats and the nobles. So Which makes that so much really sense when you think about it, because they're always trying to find scapegoats and for something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fascinating. Wow. Yeah, that is really interesting. I had no idea about that either, so when you said that, I was like, oh, wow, that's yeah. surprising. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what really makes me think I would like to write a story about that. Because if it's something that I could say, yeah, yeah, I already knew that. Everybody knows that. Then I'll probably keep moving right along. But if it's something that makes me say, wait now, what mm -hmm. happened? Yeah. Then I'm interested enough to keep pursuing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I love to... Um I, the combination of French Revolution, you know, the, what you said, that they both have such different views of liberty and justice and all that, but then both of them have kind of seen revolution as well. Yeah. And right. um, I fo I've always found the American Revolution to be such, like, the to me, the most, um, not prevalent, but just the, the best representation of the American spirit I find in the American Revolution. And I also feel like that's very similar with French, the French Revolution for a lot of French people because it changes so much for them and they've had many revolutions. But um, right. was is that an, a time of um, a, a time that you would be interested in exploring again, maybe doing more American Revolution or, or maybe doing something in France about the French Revolution? Both of those are very fascinating eras. So, yes, I would be interested, for sure. That's cool. So what are you working on now? Well, I just turned in um, a manuscript for the first time, and it will go through many stages of edits. Mm -hmm. But I just turned one in um, that is set in 1759, 
and it will be, take place in Montreal and Quebec City and the river in between. And the main character has a father who is French and a mother who is Mohawk. So it's a really interesting cultural um, context for this character, and I'm really excited about it. It will come out about a year from now, a little less than a year from now. Great. And so you do one book a year, right? Well, one fiction book a year. Sometimes I'll throw in a nonfiction book and a novella, but that's that makes for a really stressful year. <laughs> oh, yes, I can imagine. Especially yeah. when you have kiddos and you're, you know. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that we like to talk about at the Fresh Fiction Podcast is um, we're always interested in what people are watching and reading and listening to to kind of when they're not writing or when they're not creating really great pieces of art. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what maybe you're watching or listening to or reading right now? Sure. Let's see. Um, well, this is kind of <laughs> not historical at all, but right now we, my husband and I are watching reruns of Parks and Recreation on Netflix. Oh, fun. Um, because he is now on city council, and so it's just so much it's just so much funnier to watch <laughs> Leslie Nope go through her city council travails. Um, so that's one thing. Let's see. What I'm listening to, well, today I was listening to the soundtrack for the movie Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I love all those Civil War soundtracks, and my kids are studying the Civil War, and I see that Lincoln is on Netflix. I'm like, oh, is it time to introduce them to that? Um, as far as what I'm reading, I just finished reading Long Way Gone, or is it Long Way Home? It's by Charles Martin, and it just won the 2017 Christie Award Book of the Year, so... Um, that was a really, that's a contemporary novel, which I normally read historicals, but, um, I, I delved into that one and I'm getting ready to speak at my local public library this Sunday on historical fiction. So I have a stack of historical fiction books that I'm going to read little snippets out of and see if they can guess, um, what they are. And a few of them in the stack are classics like Gone with the Wind and To Kill a Mockingbird, and we've got um, The White Queen by Philippa Gregory, and All the Light You Cannot See, or All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. So all kinds of great stuff. That is so cool. That's such a fun topic, too. It is. Yes, I'm excited. So it's interesting that you say that you typically read um, historical, but now you've kind of, you're trying some contemporary just for a little bit. Are you able to read when you're writing? Because I know a lot of authors have that problem where they don't want to have anything influence what they're working on. Yeah. Um, When I'm on a deadline and like when I'm writing the first draft, it's really intense for me. And so I the only things that I'm reading at that point are my research books. Mm-hmm. But then when I turn something in or when I'm going through editing stages, then yes, I can read whatever I want. And I, and I enjoy doing that because I find, and I think most authors find, that we develop these pet words and phrases and just ways of describing things like the weather or, you know, the wind through the trees. How many ways can we <laughs> describe that? <laughs> right. So I'm just trying to get my brain out of its own rut and the way that I do that is to read a variety. So even if it's not historical fiction, I mean, I do tend to fall in that category, but I've read, I read fantasy, I read contemporary, classics, mis- murder, mystery, suspense, just to try to get my brain out of my rut. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, Jocelyn, uh, how can readers and listeners find out more about you? 
Well, great question. My website would be the great place to start. It's jocelyngreen.com, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N, green like the color, dot com. And from there, they can find where to connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and see my books and the blog and all that great stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jocelyn, for your time and taking taking time out to talk with us today. And um, we're so excited about A Refuge Assured and can't wait to read the Montreal book next year. It's going to be so great. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to talk with you. Thanks. Have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thanks a lot, Gwen. Thanks, Bye-bye. Jocelyn. Bye. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Jocelyn Green for joining me today. You can find A Refuge Assured anywhere books are sold. Thank you again to Ravel Books and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Jocelyn Green and other Ravel and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.